0: It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See amazon.com slash prime for details.
1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
2: can buy their pouch online, ship directly to most states. Black Buffalo, zero, zero nicotine, zero tobacco, 100% ritual. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR.
3: This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Here we go. On a Tuesday, we are jammed. Full Urban Meyer, Nick Wright, Mike Vick stop by live in Los Angeles. It's the Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. A lot of choices out there. Thanks for making us part of your day, Uh, Ryan, in today and all week as usual. J-Mac is back next week. Uh, Good to be here. Thursday, we are getting preseason NFL football. And one of the games is the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick, defensive coach, he'll play some starters and the Houston Texans, and rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. And it's interesting. I went back this morning and looked. In the last decade, that's 10 years, that's a lot of football. Big sample size. We met back and looked at every single first-round quarterback pick. There have been exactly 30. And they fall, in my opinion, into three categories. Six of them are stars. Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson—can't deny it. Absolutely special. Six of them of thirty. Six of thirty are stars. Four others are what I would call high-end starters. There is some star quality, but missing something. Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Tua. I'm not a huge Tua fan, but he is. He's got some Drew Brees similarities in terms of, uh, you know, competency and leadership. Good guy, super accurate. And then the third category is 20 guys who are not getting to a Super Bowl and certainly not winning it, and that's everybody else. From Baker Mayfield, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So six stars, four high-end starters, and 20 guys that can't win a Super Bowl. That's where we're at. So this class has three first-round quarterbacks. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and C.J. Stroud. And I can see all three of them having some success. And I can see all three failing. Bryce Young is really small. Anthony Richardson is insanely raw. And C.J. Stroud is just not talented enough to overcome the Houston Texans nonsense. And what really is the most interesting one is probably C.J. Stroud. I mean, it's so random. It's one of the weirdest things in the history of the NFL draft. Ohio State football, top five program all time, maybe top two or three has never had a legitimate star franchise quarterback for any long-term distance in the NFL. That is so weird to me. I mean, of all the great programs in America, one, Ohio State, never had a star quarterback in the NFL. Joe Burrow was there but transferred. And I have no real idea why. They've had great coaches, offensive coaches. They get pass protection. They have star receivers. My only guess is... That being a quarterback at Ohio State doesn't necessarily prepare you for the NFL. You have such staggering talent around you compared to the rest of your conference, not called Michigan, that it just doesn't prepare you to get hit, to throw into small windows, to have to run for cover. At Ohio State, it's four and five star linemen, five star receivers, great coaching staffs, and a conference mostly outside of Michigan you can walk over. That's my guess. But if you told me today on August 8th, Tuesday, Tuesday, August 8th, uh, I had to pick one that would miss. I would probably pick C.J. Stroud from all the things I've heard in camp. I think Anthony Richardson is so talented that with Shane Steichen, a brilliant offensive coach, I just think he's going to be productive. I don't know if he's going to win a lot. But he's going to be so absurdly productive. It's like 6'4 and a half, 255. He's going to be like tackling a defensive end. Cam Newton, Big Ben first couple of years, they just ran over people. Josh Allen was completing 55% of his throws for a year, year and a half. He just ran over people. I can see Anthony Richardson with Shane Steichen, a brilliant coach, a star running back, and a good offensive line. I can just see him being productive. Maybe winning five games, but you look up and you're like, yep, nobody plays like that. He could be special. Uh, Bryce Young, I think, has a really good head coach in Frank Reich, really good quarterback room, an offensive line that's better than people think, and they ran the football last year, and an owner willing to roll the dice. Um, I could see him succeeding, not lasting for 15 years. Not all players are, but he's a smart kid, high school, college, walked into – the room, and just figured it out very quickly. The reports are very positive so far. And then there's C.J. Stroud, rookie defensive head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, weird owner, below average roster. Like, he's not talented enough to overcome that. Like, Jared Goff, when he had Jeff Fisher and that staff, was not talented enough to overcome the mess. Then he got an offensive coach, Andrew Whitworth, at left tackle. Then it worked. But if you said today, I've got to pick one today, after what I've heard in camp, what I've seen, the video highlights, all the stories, I've been following all of them. If I had to pick one that just won't work, I don't know if C.J. Stroud is good enough to overcome rookie coach, rookie coordinator, impulsive odd owner, and a roster right now that today rebuilds. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's the head coach. The rookie head coach talked about C.J. Stroud as he preps for Thursday's preseason opener against the Patriots.
4: With Stroud, you know what I've seen is improvement. As I talk about each day, and that's what we ask for out of all our players is seeking improvement, and that's what you've seen from him. And he continues to improve. We'll see when games come. I think that's where you really, you know, can judge on where a guy is. Based on game situations, practice is one thing, but guys have to get out and get the real competition in the game.
2: Excited to watch, can see all three rookie quarterbacks working, but in a decade, thirty first round quarterbacks, six stars, four high-end starters, and 20 guys who can't win a Super Bowl and probably can't get there. Somebody's not going to make it in this class. You could argue all three could miss. So the USA Today college football coaches poll came out yesterday. And speaking of coaches, there's not a bad one in the top 10. No sport in America is more driven by coaching than college football. The coaches in the top 10, Georgia Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Number seven's Penn State, James Franklin. uh, Mike Norvell at Florida State. You don't know much about him, but he's a really good coach, and they get better every year. Dabo, Sweeney, and Josh Heupel at Tennessee, who people like a lot. Um, Jim Harbaugh, though, may get more criticism than all of them. And it's weird. Nick Saban whiffed in the NFL, could not make it in professional football. Harbaugh won two division titles, got to three NFC championships, and a Super Bowl. And that's inheriting a complete tire fire. Turn it around immediately. In seven years, if you take out the COVID season, which was a mess, seven years, five at Michigan, 10-plus wins. 77% wins. He's clearly right now, today, this morning, led Michigan to a better overall program football-wise today than Ohio State, a top-five program. But sports fans tend to be addicted and cling to championships. So despite the fact that he has never failed and turned around everywhere virtually overnight, including the Niners, he doesn't have natties, so people think less of him. And he's not cool, and he's kind of quirky, and his offense isn't necessarily fun. It's old school. And we all like in the media and fans, we like people we can put into boxes, and they're simple, and Harbaugh is complex. No sport is more coach-driven. In the NBA, it's star-driven. Soccer, star-driven. Baseball, payroll, and front office-driven. NFL, we found that out when Brady and Belichick divorced. It's quarterback-driven. I love Andy Reid, but it's more Mahomes than Andy. College football's top ten, there are no B coaches. They're all A's. But Harbaugh's the one that gets criticism, despite the fact that many college coaches have gone to the NFL, Lou Holt, Steve Spurrier, Saban, legendary coaches, Urban Meyer's on our show today, and the NFL thing didn't work. Pro football just didn't work for him for whatever reason. Harbaugh was a star, but there's something about him that rubs people the wrong way. Well, it's Michigan, everybody wins. Rich Rod didn't. Brady Hoke didn't. (laughs) That stuff didn't work at all. Uh, And Michigan, by the way, doesn't win big as much as you think. One national title in 75 years. They're not LSU where Ed Orgeron can win a title. They're not Bama. They're not Georgia. They're not USC. They're not Oklahoma. They're not Ohio State historically. One title in 1997, in 75 years. Two recent coaches flamed out, Rich Rod and Brady Hoke. And here's Harbaugh. Not necessarily likable, unorthodox, not cool. Offense isn't that fun to watch. And here he is, number two in the country, and clearly, The program of current note, inertia, and momentum in the Big Ten. When you look at their schedule, it becomes pretty clear. Lots and lots of Ws. It will come down to two games. November 11th at Penn State. They may be an underdog. It'll be close. And then hosting Ohio State two weeks later. That's their season. My guess is they run the table. I think they're that good. At Michigan State, will be thorny and prickly. It's a rival. But Michigan this year is the deepest and best they've ever been. And they have a young quarterback who may, may or may not, be a mid-to-late first-round pick. So they've got it all. The coach, the quarterback, uh, the best offensive line returning in college football, momentum, a star running back, couple of high-end receivers, pass rushers, they've got it all. But yet nobody is embraced less often than Harbaugh as a great coach. Because he's not easy to, to fit into a box, and he doesn't have that title, and fans are uncompromising. You're no good without a title. Charles Barkley doesn't have one. Dan Marino doesn't have one. But we punish coaches who can't hold up a trophy. Can't wait for the season to start. Be sure to
0: catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app.
2: Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy, 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is
0: yours.
3: and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. So on this
2: show, and I think on a lot of debate shows or talk shows, uh, there are four or five NFL franchises that get a lot of heat. We bang on the Cowboys a lot. All of it earned, just not not a franchise that finishes season well. Seasons well. Well, We bang on the Packers, uh, you know, Favre and Rodgers, a couple of Super Bowls. But, you know, for 30 years, they were great Hall of Fame level at quarterback. And they got to, you know, two, three Super Bowls, won a couple of Super Bowls. You feel like they should be more criticized or more successful, right? Like, but we don't really criticize the Steelers much. We like them, uh, the history, of the franchise, good ownership. We like the coach. Very redeemable franchise. Once again, this year, excellent roster. We consider Mike Tomlin a very good coach. They draft and develop exceedingly well, especially on defense. Excellent ownership. Um, Pack the stadium. Huge brand. But we bang on the Packers and the Cowboys for not winning enough at the end of seasons. You know who's worse than both? The Steelers. They don't win big games anymore. We went back 12 seasons this morning. And we said, who's won the most playoff games in 12 seasons? Now, you can figure out with Tom Brady, New England's the clear winner. Okay, 16. Mahomes has the Chiefs at 12. Well, Niners have had a great defense seemingly for 10 years, 11. Well, Legion of Boom, Seahawks 9, Ravens 7. All right, Rams, couple of couple of Super Bowl runs there, 7. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, 7. Eagles have some down years, but they're six along with Denver. So you're thinking, okay. So those are the most playoff wins. They're not first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. So let's go to the next group. Steelers probably in that group. No, there's four teams in the last 12 years that have won five playoff games. Bengals, Saints, Giants, Bucks. (laughs) Used to call them the Aints. Buccaneers? Really? That wobbly pirate ship? Burroughs, that good, that fast. Okay, they got to be in the next group. Four playoff wins. No, the Texans are in that group. So are the Falcons, the Colts, and the Bills. Uh, uh, are, are Are the Steelers in the next group? I mean, they had Big Ben. Oh, there they are. Panthers, Titans, Jags, Cowboys, Steelers. But what's interesting about the Steelers, their playoff wins of that group are the least impressive. They beat Matt Moore, a backup for Miami, and A.J. McCarron, a backup for Cincinnati due to injuries, and they didn't score a touchdown with Big Ben to beat Alex Smith and the Chiefs, six field goals. So 12 years, one playoff win that did not include a touchdown. It was six field goals to beat Kansas City, and that was with Big Ben. And they had embarrassing losses. Remember the one to Tebow, to Blake Bortles, to Baker Mayfield? It was embarrassing. You know, we bang on the Cowboys and the Packers, and once again, I look at Pittsburgh. I love their roster. I think Kenny Pickett was a good pick, excellent ownership, good coach, draft and develop well, very few draft whiffs. And here we are with an over and under of eight and a half wins. I'll go over because Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season ever. And it's not like it was all facing Tom Brady in that 12 years. They faced him once, went 0 one It was Baker and Tebow and Bortles and So, once again, it's not exactly screaming elite. Do we like the Steelers more? Is it because we look at the Steelers as highly functional? They don't have the drama that Aaron Rodgers and Favre provided. They don't have the ego that the Cowboys provide. They're strong. They're strident. They draft. They develop. And they just don't win big games anymore. 12 years, Big Ben, absolute first ballot Hall of Famer. One playoff win over a top quarterback, and they couldn't score a touchdown. Six field goals to beat Alex Smith. Over, under again, eight and a half. And for the record, the AFC's never been better. The divisions never had more excellent quarterbacks. I don't know what the near future is, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of big wins, wins, but not a lot of big wins in their future. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Next story, if it was just by itself, left alone, just this story, would not be that big of a deal. But this story isn't just left alone. It's part of an issue in Dallas with their offense. So Zach Martin and the Cowboys were in a stalemate. He's the best guard, arguably, in football, and he's not showing up, and Jerry's not giving him a raise, and it's a weird holdout. Cowboys have always compensated him well. He likes them. They like him. He's making $13.5 million a year as a guard, and he's got two years left on his contract. Guards don't get deals two years early. It's weird, but he's not budging. So, again, if just that was a Cowboy erosion or regression – You wouldn't worry too much about it. But great quarterbacks can lose a star, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Good quarterbacks can't have the drip, drip, drip of their offensive faucet prevail. So let's think about what Dallas has had since last year. They lost Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. He's better than Brian Schottenheimer, and he's better than Mike McCarthy as a play caller. When he had Dak, they were six first and 4th in points. So losing Kellen Moore is something. And then they lost Zeke. And though he doesn't have the burst he once did, Zeke is arguably the best blocking running back in the league. He's gone. Tony Pollard broke his leg. We don't know if he's going to return to full form. Dalton Schultz gave you about 65 to 66 catches a year. He left and now your best offensive lineman is gone, Zach Martin. Like, that's a lot of regression for a B to a B-plus quarterback. Even if it was Joe Burrow, if I said, yeah, he lost his brilliant offensive coordinator, his best offensive lineman, his best blocking running back, his star running back broke his leg, we're not sure what he's going to be, and oh, by the way, his top-producing tight end is gone. With Joe Burrow, you'd be like, I don't know. Mahomes, he'd overcome it. Even Joe Burrow, Lamar, Josh Allen, Herbert. You'd be like, that's a lot. There's no built-in equity. Why would I trust the Cowboys? They haven't proven they can overcome over the last 20 years. Brady did it every year. Mahomes has proven he's different. But B2B plus quarterbacks, just say it out loud. Best offensive lineman, easily gone. Offensive coordinator, young, smart, progressive, gone. Best blocking running back, Gone top-producing tight end, gone. This team's starting to feel very Dak-dependent. And though I like him, there's a clear, clear history with Dak's career. When the team becomes more Dak-dependent and they throw the ball just 34 times or more, Dallas is a bad football team. When he throws 33 times or fewer, Cowboys are excellent. We don't know what Tony Pollard is. He broke his damn leg. Zeke is gone. Schultz is gone. Coordinator's different. We hear how they want to run the ball, which would be way better if Zach Martin was in camp. There is clearly two DACs. DAC reliant, bad team. DAC dependent, bad team. DAC with one or more turnovers, bad team. DAC complimentary, Throwing 29 times, Dallas with a run game, road grading, very good. And uh, so if you look at Dallas's schedule, what's also a bit alarming here, you cross your fingers that Tony Pollard will be ready to go. Their first two opponents are two of the best defenses they'll face all year, Giants and the Jets. And then they faced New England and San Francisco after Arizona. So in their first five games, They're going to face four elite defenses. Maybe no Zach Martin, no Kellen Moore, no Dalton Schultz. We're not sure about Tony Pollard, and Zeke doesn't have Dax back as he drops to throw. It's not everything, but it's something, and it's a weird stalemate. Zach Martin's been the classic cowboy. Paid well, delivered, fairly compensated, two years left, and is not coming back. Maybe he knows he has them. Maybe he knows this is his last ch- chance for leverage. The top guard right now, Quentin Nelson, makes about $20 million. There's no way Jerry's going to give him $20 million a year for a guard with two years left because Jerry got burned the last time he gave a star running back a contract early. Zeke, he got burned by that.
4: Listen to Comeback Stories. I'm Darren Waller. You may know me best as a tight end for the New York Giants, you may also know me for my story of overcoming addiction and alcoholism you may have heard a few of my tracks as an artist or a producer uh, and you may have seen the work that i've done through my foundation and you may know my friend and co-host donnie starkins as well he's a mindfulness teacher a yoga instructor a life coach a man fully invested in seeing people reach their fullest potential and we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories catch us every week on comeback stories on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Teams are knocking on the door of the conference finals, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered every step of the way with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more.
3: and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. All right, preseason really starts in earnest on Thursday, so I
2: thought I would unveil my pre-preseason herd hierarchy. Here
3: we go. Herd
0: hierarchy.
3: Time is now. Let's go. The top 10 NFL teams according to college. Number 10. If they're
2: healthy, I like the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is now signed to a long-term deal. They have added some nice pieces to help him. Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman comes back. J.K. Dobbins is healthy now. Lamar has the best offensive weapons of his career. A new coordinator. Hopefully they respect his passing game more because I've always thought he's better in the pocket than anybody wants to admit. Lamar has the second highest winning percentage among all active quarterbacks, only behind Patrick Mahomes. Cross your fingers on their health. They get dinged up more than anybody in camp. Baltimore at 10. Number 9. This is the year I buy into the Chargers. Justin Herbert now gets a really good offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. He also gets his excellent young left tackle back, Rashawn Slater. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen missed a lot of games last year, so they got a first-round pick, Quentin Johnston, a wide receiver from TCU who has had a remarkable camp. I think the Chargers are ready to go. Coach is on the hot seat, but I think he makes it through the year. Number eight. The Cowboys. I do worry about Zach Martin and the loss of Kellen Moore. I think they're a C.D. Lamb injury away from having to win games, low scoring, but... But I don't think Dak's going to throw that many interceptions. The NFC's weak. I do think they'll figure out Zach Martin eventually. I think they're a bit too Dak-dependent this morning with Zach Martin out and Kellen Moore gone. That worries me, and I don't love their head coach and his ability to not manage the clock. But this defense is absolutely top five. They added a great corner in Stephon Gilmore, so I am okay with it. Number seven. Miami. It's all on Tua's health. They did not address the offensive line that was ranked 22nd. But with three different starting quarterbacks, their offense was number three. If Tua stays healthy, they're going to score 30 points. They're San Francisco East. A lot of weapons, a lot of speed, a lot of versatile players. Got to get Jalen Ramsey, though, back, the playmaker at corner. Number six. Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is ascending, the AFC South is weak, they've added Calvin Ridley, don't forget how great he was. Doug Peterson, first year with Trevor Lawrence, by about week eight, week nine, they started to click. Excellent football team, adding some weapons, see no reason they can't challenge Kansas City for the number one seed, they have an easier schedule. Number five. Buffalo, let's not go crazy. There has been Stephon Diggs drama. But Josh Allen, Okay, they've won that division for three straight years for a reason. They're simply more talented. Now, he did lead the NFL in giveaways last year without coach Brian Dable. That worries me. He can be a little loose. With Mahomes, I get greatness without the turnovers. With Allen, they go hand in hand. I worry about that. The defense will be strong. They have the best roster in that division, and I think they probably win it again. Number four. Philadelphia loses Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. But Jalen Hurts is 21-4 in his last 25 starts. The kid is smart. He's mobile. He's versatile. He's coachable. They're going to win. Howie Roseman has built an excellent offensive line. They lost some good linebackers, but they add DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, a couple of nice running backs who have home run potential. Philadelphia pulls back a little. They're going to face better quarterbacks this year. They'll actually play from behind occasionally in the regular season. And so I put them at four. Number three. Cincinnati. By the way, Joe Burrow's the most sacked quarterback over the last two years. They've really never gotten the offensive line right. And that's maybe the difference between the Chiefs and the Bengals. The, the The Chiefs were able to rebuild that O-line in one year and have the best young center in the game. Bengals' O-line always worries me. They moved off their safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell, which I actually thought was smart, both good players. They understand their priorities. They feel like in the NFC they could win this thing going away, but there's this team in Kansas City that's in their way in the AFC. Number two. Listen, the Niners, teams that played San Francisco last year, Went 0-16 the following week. That's insane. Why? They beat the you-know-what out of you. The NFL's most physical team. Um, I mean, they've got nine guys that I think, maybe, maybe eight, that have a chance to be Hall of Famers. Kittle and Debo and McCaffrey and Trent Williams and Fred Warner. They got talent to burn, but they're not special at quarterback. They're just capable, and that's why they're number two. Number one. The Chiefs have projected two new tackles. But I've seen this team rebuild their receiving core, their offensive line, and the defense in one year. They'll make it work. Um, I I, I don't have much to say. They've reached the Super Bowl in three of the last four years. And what did Andy Reid say about Patrick Mahomes? We're going to put more on his plate. In Dallas, they're taking stuff off the table for Dak. Andy's like, I'm going to put more on his plate. Mahomes is just different. The rules don't apply. They didn't really apply for Belichick and Brady. And they don't really apply for Andy Reid and Mahomes. We've got a we've got a dynasty on our hands, and everybody appears to be in their prime as they've rebuilt the receiving core. They've moved off the right people at the right time, so I have them number one. Be sure
0: to catch live editions of the herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio FS1 and the iHeartRadio app.
2: 17 years as a college football coach, three national titles, one with the Buckeyes, two with the Florida Gators, a three-time college football coach of the year, won 85% of his game, 12 and three in bowl games, which I believe believe is the best winning percentage ever in bowl games. 12. That's a that's an. Those were big bowl games. 12 and three, and uh, won 90% of his games at Ohio State, 83 and nine. Urban Meyer is now joining us live, Fox Sports. So as a guy who grew up on the West Coast and lived in the world of the Huskies and Ducks, I think they work as damp, wet-weather programs into the Big Ten. I think they're haves, not have-nots. The Pac-10 died, I feel like, tw- it, it died about five years ago when I started noticing the payouts for the SEC and the Big Ten, and I thought, this, this isn't going to last. I'm not surprised by it. Are you, are, you, are you shocked by now four Pac-12 teams going to the Midwest?
4: Colin, I think my initial sting was like everybody else. I grew up when the Pac-12 was arguably the best league in the country. USC was dominant. Terry Donahue was at UCLA. All those programs had great players, Heisman Trophy winners. But I, I like you. I get it. I, I think the the Big Ten has got to be reckoned with now. I mean, can you imagine? As we were talking earlier, you flip on the TV at ten o'clock. You got big new kickoff, and you go until midnight because you got the West Coast now.
2: Yeah, the um. It's interesting. So, Pac-12 fans are upset because you know their conference has you know uh, unraveled. How does a Big Ten fan like I can see a Big Ten guy in Wisconsin going, "Wait a minute! I already have to deal with the Wolverines, the Buckeyes, and the Nittany Lions. Now I have the Huskies, the Ducks, and the Trojans. This isn't any better for me. Stay in your own conference." How do most Big Ten fans look at it?
4: Well, I think the fans are uh, probably fired up because they, they see their conference strength right now. They're going to be able to watch them. Here's the interesting thing that goes along with the fans. How about the coaches? All of a sudden now the Big Ten West, you had Iowa, you had Wisconsin, you had the, uh, Minnesota. Those teams are competing for champion. You know, a chance to go to the championship game. Northwestern went to the championship game. If they eliminate divisions and you add Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC, you know, what happens to the Wisconsin's? What happens to the Michigan State's? What happens to those teams that are really good programs, but they're just a notch below? Do they drop even further below in the conference now? Those are the questions that if I'm a coach at one of those places, I'm thinking, wow, you know, if they eliminate divisions, what chance do I have of getting my program to that Big Ten championship game, which is everyone's goal? Because it just got a hell of a lot harder.
2: Yeah. The – um, what I don't like – one of the things I've argued for, and I think I've, I've said for years, the reason the UFC overtook boxing is because they had a leader. And boxing was just promoters setting up fights. And then UFC was Dana White, and he said, no, every Saturday, this is what we're going to do. College football doesn't have a commissioner. So the SEC's playing eight conference games, and the Big Ten's probably going go to go to 10. And then some people have soft schedules. I mean, Alabama, it's like Nick Saban sat down there and gave him perfect bye weeks, and then other people don't. And I'm not picking on Nick, but it's like, come on, guys. This is not fair. I feel like the sport needs just a, a, a commissioner to wrap it together. Did you ever feel that way?
4: I did. And the I've sat in many, many meetings. The problem is that really every conference is out for themselves. Yes. Every school is out for themselves. You just saw that. I mean, there's no there's no uh, getting along and let's do this thing together. Right now, the SEC is worried about one thing, the SEC. The Big Ten obviously had no, they could care less about the Pac-12 because they take their teams. You know, same with the Big 12, take another, the rest of the Pac-12. So as long as everybody is so independent, the chance of a commissioner or coming under one umbrella, I don't see that happening, Colin. I, I don't see that at all because right now the SEC – you know, do you think they really could care about the Pac twelve, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve? Not at all. And same with the Big Ten; they they were where they need to be. They're worried about one thing: can they support all these other sports and every program in their conference? And that's a tall task.
2: Well, it's it's going to be an amazing bicoastal uh, three time zone conference. <coughs> Jim Harbaugh right now has his best team. And, and, I, and I said this earlier, Harbaugh's unorthodox and he's quirky and he's, uh, you know, he can be a lot. Uh, uh, but what Jim does do, and I saw him do this at Stanford, Stanford was a mess. And about three years later, he walked into the Coliseum against Pete Carroll and they pushed USC around. There's something about his personality, the way he builds a team, they get very physical very quickly. When you go back to your matchups, you had your, you know, you've had your way through the years um, at Ohio State against Michigan. But when you look at Harbaugh, and I and if I'd never seen him coach, and I said, "Urban, what's this Harbaugh guy about? Well, what what are his teams about? What would you say?"
4: Well, I know his teams very well and they're tough. You know, he grew up in a tough family, He played for a tough coach, and you watch the reason they beat Ohio State the last two years is they they won the line of scrimmage. That game, for the history of that game, whoever wins the line of scrimmage wins. So you remember about three years ago, his job was on the line. Yeah, uh, I think they redid his contract. They were really struggling, and he's done a great job. He's got a really good football team. He's got a quarterback coming back. One of the few teams, one of the few teams with a returning quarterback. So when I think of a Jim Harbaugh team, I think of a you better line up and, and run the football and stop the run because that's coming at you.
2: You know, I can think two things at once. I can be for the transfer portal, but not want it during the middle of a season. Even in the NFL, there's a free agency period, and there's then there's times you can't. So everybody's like, well, players should be able to transfer, and my takeaway is, yeah, but there, you, you can't transfer in a season and disrupt programs. The second thing is, I am for the NIL but I don't want it to be the wild, wild west and paying some kid at a high school. That's not what this thing's about. So as we've had these changes, NIL uh, transfer portal, it has settled into sort of a groove, right? Um, are you comfortable now with where it's at, or are you still a little uncomfortable with the the how the how the whole NIL thing is working?
4: I think I'm a little more comfortable than the initial sting. You know, I still, I guess I hear a lot of things that many people don't because I'm still very tied into uh, many of my old colleagues in college football. And, you know, the one thing that you hear is the collective. And the collective is they go raise money from donors. They put together a big pot of money and they, you know, and they, they pay players to come to your school. And in return, the players have to do charitable work. If you want to eliminate the wild, wild west, I think collectives need to go away. I think NIL purpose was great. If a player like a Marvin Harrison Jr., if Marvin Harrison Jr. can get a job at a car dealership selling cars, selling autographs, selling jerseys, that's called capitalism, and that's great. But I'm like you. I think when you start saying, okay, I'm recruiting a 17-year-old, he has an agent, and this school's offering him $20,000 a month, we need to go to $25,000 a month to get him. You know, I don't know what else you call that other than cheating. You know, that's not what the intent of NIL is. That's not what the purpose is. Um, I think once a player has earned that right and he has value, which is that's the whole purpose of name and likeness, I think it's fantastic. It should have been done a long time ago. But it, it's that's not what's happening right now. There's a lot of other stuff. There is that happening, but the, uh, the fact that they're paying players to go to schools You know, that's 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 very clear in the rule book, says don't do that.
2: You know, Ohio State's in an interesting space where you know, I I, this is a discussion I had with a Buckeye fan a couple years ago and I said, um, the receiving recruit first of all, the Buckeyes have never recruited better. Okay, so the recruiting's through the roof. But their wide receiver recruiting is insane. I mean it's just all five star guys. And I said, I wonder if, when you have that much talent in your receiving room in college, it doesn't, if you're Ryan Day, influence practice. And not that you would try to be more finesse, but when you've got these Marvin Harris, I mean, literally, they're all first round NFL talents, that it's nothing against the running backs or the tight ends, but Ohio State, they've literally shifted from a linebacker power program to the fastest, you know, the fastest team in the country where they're receiving cores better than half the NFL. And I do wonder that if their talent is so great on the perimeter now, Urban, is it possible that it is affecting practice and, and sort of the physicality of the program that they have gotten more of a speed than a brute team? Or is that just nonsense and it doesn't work that way?
4: No, I think that's very observant. That kind of happened to me in Florida. We, uh, we started recruiting a speed, and I always made a comment, I want to be the fastest team in America. And then you get good news and bad news. Is good news, you have the most talented players in the country. Bad news, they got to touch the ball. And so you have to get that ball in their hands. I'm not saying Ohio State's less physical, but I'm saying you have a, a group, and you are correct. Brian Hartline has recruited, and I did this a long time, I've never seen the level that the quarterback and receivers are recruited at Ohio State right now. Everyone's a first-round draft pick. Everyone. Everyone's a five-star. But you have to get the ball in their hands. And – you know the good thing is they they're loaded at tailback this year too, but I would not say that turns into a finesse game. But it turns into a game that you got to be creative, whether it be handed to them, throw it to them, throw screens to them. They have got to. Your job as a head coach gets to get the best players the ball.
2: Yeah. Finally. Um there's been some discussion that these California teams will go into the Midwest and they won't be as physical. And I do think, um, you know, having grown up with a Pac-12, it was, we were going four wide a long time ago. And uh, I mean, your, your flex offenses at Utah, like it's always been a creative region. We didn't always have the best players, but it's always been a coaching region. A lot of coaches in the pack have gone to the NFL. And so I don't know. I, I think they'll be fine in the big 10, but when you you know you coached Utah and faced Oregon's and cows when Tedford was around, I mean you know Pac-12 football. You faced you know USC and those kind of teams. Is Big Ten football is it a little different when you get that you know that cruddy weather in November? Do you have to build your team differently if you're USC or UCLA?
4: So so when we my last two years at Ohio State we played USC in the Cotton Bowl and then Washington in the Rose Bowl. So we saw every game. And I felt the skill positions were about the same. When you get to the offensive and defensive lines, that's where I thought, Ohio State, that's where and we did. We, you know, you, they, they were unable to block the Bosas and the Chase Youngs and the, not many people can, but you just saw a difference in the offensive and defensive lines. For USC and UCLA, Washington, Oregon to compete, and you, you did bring up weather, that will be a factor. They're gonna to have to get much better in the offensive and defensive lines. I just noticed a little bit of a drop-off in the last few years that and and I I talked to several colleagues that coached out west. They're not as easy to find as they used to be out west in high school. And I don't know why. I, I know you have a theory. I remember you gave me a theory on that. Yeah. That you just it's hard to find linemen out west.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. I gotta ask you one more thing. Uh Colorado and Deion Sanders are gonna be on Fox. Now, I I think TCU lost a lot of talent but I still think TCU is going to be a handful for Colorado. I don't know how many players they have, but you were out there recently. What am I supposed to expect from Deion and the Buffalo? How many players do they have?
4: I mean, I've known Deion Sanders a long time. I've always loved Deion Sanders. I respect him. We get along. Uh, I called him up. I was out west. We have you the first two games. He was more than gracious to have me out there. The most underrated people. Obviously, you got your players. The most underrated people in football are the assistant coaches. And he's hired really good coaches. I went to the meetings. I watched them practice. They have, I believe, 70 new players. So I call this thing the grand experiment. And I'm telling you, Colin, I mean, that was not what I expected. I thought we'd see, you know, I I didn't know what to expect, but I saw a very good team. I saw talented players. His son's an excellent quarterback. They got Travis Hunter is one of the you know, I looked at uh, Prime, and I said, man, that, I've had one of those. I called Percy Harvin. I just pushed him to the side. You don't need to practice him much longer. He's that good. So, so if they can, the thing they're lacking, Colin is depth. Yeah. If they can stay healthy, they have a tough schedule, they're going to make some waves in the Pac-12.
2: Yeah. I I can't wait to watch it. So I think it's TCU. It's on Fox. It's uh, Deion Sanders in Colorado and that cowboy hat. I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to be watching it. Urban, it's great to see you as always. You're indoors in Florida where you need to be today because it's almost 100 degrees and humid. So it's great seeing you.
4: Great seeing you, Colin. Thank you.
3: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.